Back on the podcast, Dale Carter's America, and today we're going to check in on the pots on the stove for Joey B. Here's a tease. He's going to need the world's biggest stove with lots of burners. That's what we're talking about today on Dale Carter's America. From the heart of flyover country, he's not on the far right, and he's certainly not on the far left. Like you, he's somewhere in the middle. This is Dale Carter's America. Before we get into all that, I am Dale Carter. Kurt is with me as well. Um, You've already noted that I've switched to a Royals hoodie instead of a Chiefs hoodie. It's Blue Monday. It is definitely Blue Monday (laughs) as we record this. Um, But, you know, you can't do anything about it. you got to move on. And pitchers and catchers report to Surprise Arizona on February 17th. Nice. Two weeks from Thursday. Well, you were at the game. I watched the game. Uh, They just blew it, I I think, is the bottom line. So there's not much more to say about that. I don't know. I mean, here's what I want to think. And we may get more information that comes out of this because the Chiefs were spot on in the first half. Leading twenty-one to three, they left some points on the field because they decided to go for it as time ran out and held up a little bit short. Turned out they needed those three points later in the game, but I think Mahomes got hurt. Oh, really? I think you know. I, I saw him get hit really hard, and he was like doubled over. And that second half, I mean, it was a different guy. Yeah, and he well, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Regardless of you know what the reasoning was, I mean, he he looked pretty bad. So mm-hmm. uh, who knows? But. Hopefully he's not injured. You know, we we wish him the best. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the offseason, they'll come back. He's 26 years old. And as I was scolding Chiefs fans this morning, a couple of things to keep in mind if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan. It was 50 years between Super Bowl championships. Right. It's a long time in the desert. Right. And then we had the Marty Schottenheimer era where we were just good enough to get to the playoffs and were eliminated in the first round every time. Every time. That was the joke. We made the playoffs, but the Colts would come along and they would screw us, right? right. Okay. So then you get to this era, and again, think of the history here. Three AFC championships back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, two Super Bowls, one Super Bowl championship, and Patrick Mahomes is 26 years old. Yep. I like our long-term odds. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. I also like Denmark today. Today is Denmark Day on the podcast. (laughs) Do we know their national anthem? I don't know, but we could make one up right now. Hail to the Danes! (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Denmark Prime Minister Mitty Friedrichsen, it's got a lot of vowels in there, announced that Denmark would be throwing out most of the COVID-19 pandemic restrictions it placed, including mask mandates. Right on. We say goodbye to the restrictions. We welcome the life we knew before. As of February 1st, Denmark will be open. Hmm. Well, that's great news, and hopefully other countries will follow suit. Unfortunately, we don't live in Denmark, but that's that's great for them. Yeah, it is great. That's why it's Denmark Day on the podcast. Because here we are. I mean, we have moved from the pandemic, right? It was a pandemic, to endemic. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Endemic is something that we're going to have to deal with all the time. Right. The endemic flu. is like the flu. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. The flu is endemic. Mm-hmm. COVID is now going to be endemic. And if we let our quote-unquote leaders use this as an excuse to enforce things like vax mandates, 
you know, I'm a vax guy because my doctor, you know, he convinced me that it would be good for me. I listen to my doctor. I don't listen to the keyboard warriors who who jump in on the podcast, who jump in on Facebook. Um, As far as I'm concerned, you're a bunch of idiots. You don't have an MD. I listen to my doctor. It's why I pay him. Um, But same token, I don't think the federal government should make you take a vaccine. Right. And I mean, there has been progress on that. You know, I mean, it got shut down in the Supreme Court. OSHA has officially uh, retracted their their mandate, you know, and and then there's also going to another country again. I mean, we're seeing what happened with in Canada uh, over the weekend and last week they had that big convoy of like 50,000 truckers that were opposing their vaccine mandate because their mandate is a lot stronger than than ours was here in in America. So I think it's it's getting to a point where hopefully more people will start standing up. I mean, if 50,000 truckers are going to resist this in Canada, I mean, that's a pretty big deal. And you don't think about Canada typically as a very, you know, uh, aggressive, you know, strong-willed nation like you might think of America, certainly less so, but uh, they're really making a big statement up there. And the the mandate has been all but killed here in America. So the next step is, you know, people taking the masks off and and just uh, getting back to regular life, like for real. Speaking of that, are we on Spotify? Yes. We are not one of the 20,000 podcasts that have been removed by Spotify because we might have a different opinion than somebody else might have? Uh, we have not been removed from Spotify as, far as, as, you know. as far as I know. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we had the whole Joe Rogan thing. I mean, you know more about this world than I do. Uh, Neil Young, I guess said, Hey, you know what? If you're going to have that Joe Rogan guy on Spotify, you can't play my music anymore. Right. And you know what Spotify said? They said, bye-bye, yeah. Neil. Don't, don't let the door hit your butt on the way out. Yeah. Because they know, I mean, they're very liberal. They're very left, left wing and all that. But they know that Joe Rogan brings them a lot of ears. Right. And money, more importantly. Well, yeah. Ears, eyeballs lead to money. It's right. kind of like that. how that goes. Well, that, I'd like to expand on that a little bit because I think – you make a really interesting point there. You know, Spotify has taken down a lot of podcasts and they are part of the mainstream institution of the media in a lot of ways. You know, they're, they're following along with this whole idea of medical misinformation, which is total BS. I mean, again, I I've challenged people on our Facebook page and in person, if they think that Rogan, for example, is misinformation, it's about two specific episodes with Dr. Peter McCullough, who is a a researcher on COVID and then Dr. Robert Malone, who is one of the people that uh, led to the invention of the MRNA vaccine. And I challenge everyone who says that's medical misinformation to go listen to the episodes because most people who are criticizing haven't listened to it. And it's just, you know, you have no leg to stand on if you haven't listened to it. But that being said, Spotify is still part of this whole mainstream establishment and they are pushing the mainstream narrative on COVID, just like everybody else. The only difference is that Joe Rogan is pulling in uh, about 11 million per episode, maybe more. And so he's making them a lot of money. That's the only reason that they're not canceling him. All comes down to money. Exactly. So this whole idea, I see some conservatives out there, you know, saying like, oh, good for Spotify. You know, they're standing up for the truth. They're standing up for free speech. I mean, you could say that they are, but... They're only doing it for this one guy, Joe Rogan, and they're only doing it because he's making them a shit ton of yeah, money. Yeah. They're taking down other podcasts. You know, um, they're 
they're still adapting and and ad uh, adapting to the the mainstream narrative on this issue. So I just think we should be careful about you know jumping to praise of of this. You know, you have to really look at what's really happening. Again, it all comes down to to the money. But well, well, whose truth? That's the question I have. Whose truth are we talking about? Who is the arbiter of truth? And that's a chilling feeling on the uh, First Amendment, right? Because you know the First Amendment's not about truth. It's about freedom of speech, right? You know, and when you shut off freedom of speech because you don't agree with it, you know, the, the test for freedom of speech was I defend, you know, with everything I have, your right to say what I passionately disagree with. Right. That's the test of the First Amendment, right? And there are limits, you know, there are limits of to the course. First Amendment, but what what we're not this talking isn't about, one of them. Right. Something that exactly. I disagree with that you say is exactly. not one of them. Yeah, having having a real debate and a real dialogue about the proper response to a pandemic, for example, is not outside of the realm of the First Amendment. You know, it's it's uh, actually really important because people need to be informed and, and know, you know, when they're being lied to and things like that. And you bring up who is the arbiter of truth, I would say whoever's telling the truth is the arbiter of truth because there is, you know, this whole leftist idea about Oh, the truth is subjective. There's my truth and there's your truth and there's everyone's opinion and stuff like that. That's really clouded our whole discussion. And and on something as important as COVID, I mean you can look at all of these issues, you know, you can look at the mandates, you can look at the masks, the vaccine, the the death rates and all of these things. There is truth. There is the truth in there somewhere. And so we need to have these conversations so that we can come to the truth, but there's no such thing as like subjective truth within this. You know, we're, we're arriving over time and a lot of us, you know, from the beginning knew a lot of these things, but we're arriving at the truth, which is not in line with the mainstream narrative. And that's why they're getting all pissed off about it. Two plus two is still four. Yes. That's true. Yes. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of things out there that are arguments. You can argue this, you can argue that, uh, but I, I, I take your point. We've spent a lot of time on that. Let's move right along to something that's really important, and that is the latest new gun law in California that's going to save lives. Do you know the way to San Jose? San Jose, California. Lawful gun owners will now have to carry insurance and pay an annual fee. Wow. How? I wonder, there's got to be a stat on this. How many crimes committed with guns are committed by people who legally own the gun? Well, I can tell you that for everyone listening, you, I would recommend looking into John Lott, L-O-T-T. -T. He's probably the number one researcher on gun crime statistics and things like that in the country. He has a whole website. You can search, you know, whatever topic you want. He's done very extensive research on all of this stuff. And one of the things that I've learned from his research is that concealed carry permit holders in America outnumber police officers 10 to 1. There's 10 times as many concealed carry permit holders as cops, and they have a lower violent crime rate than cops, even off-duty cops. So you think already, you know, cops probably aren't going to commit crimes. Well, statistically speaking, concealed carry permit holders actually are less likely to commit crimes. Then you can also, another angle is you can also look at the defensive use of guns in America, which is kind of hard to measure, but at the very least, it matches and you know, most likely outpaces by a great deal the amount of uh, violent crime that's being committed with guns. So, but it's something that nobody talks about. And 
you know, like these politicians in California and New York and everywhere else, they're making the gun the issue and they're just uh, looking to punish lawful gun owners who are not the problem, right? Right. That the, these people are it's not It's never going to solve that problem. Right. Um, and, and we've talked about it numerous times here on this podcast. I firmly believe it with everything in my soul that unless we get to vigorous prosecution <clears throat> and build as many prisons as you need for violent crime committed with a gun, yep. we'll clean this up in one generation. And uh, another thing that I would say, too, you know, I'm assuming that the vast majority of our listeners are good, decent, law-abiding people, regardless of what side of the political spectrum they're on. Right. You know, go buy a gun, go go train, and uh, and become familiar with with a firearm, and don't be afraid to to carry a firearm or or to be ready to use a firearm to protect yourself. I think that's more important now than ever, and it's really not political. You know, it's it's uh, anyone who is a decent law-abiding citizen who is who follows the law should i think pursue uh owning a firearm un- unless there's some extenuating circumstance like a medical condition yeah. or mental instability or whatever but uh that's not the case for the vast majority of people i saw a billboard on my way in i can't even remember what company is selling this but it looks like a gun and it says non-lethal i mean yeah. it looks like a gun because i we've had this discussion before i'm somebody who is so pro-life that it would be very hard for me to take someone else's life. I mean, I it would. I, I don't know that I could do it. I mean, if somebody were attacking me, I don't know that I could do it. That's how pro-life that I am. So tell me about these non-lethal things. Do you know anything about Yeah, them? so what you're talking about specifically, and we've had uh, actually advertisements previously on the podcast through Frontier Justice for this particular product. It's called the Berna Launcher. It's basically a glorified paintball gun. It's Will it uh, knock somebody down? Well, that's the thing. I mean, maybe, but but it it it, it in my opinion it, it introduces a level of uncertainty that is not ideal because even with a gun, like you you can look up video on YouTube and stuff. There are people who are say on drugs or being violent and they charge the cops. And the cops will shoot them like 10, 12 times and they're still coming at them, yeah. like shoot them with bullets, you know? So I think, um, you know, to your point about not wanting to take a life, nobody wants to take a life. Nobody is, nobody is like carrying a gun, like yeehaw, I'm going to kill some guy today. You know, that's just not how people think mm. at least decent people. That's not how decent people think. But I do think that you have to be prepared for any situation because in a situation like that, like I just described, it's your life or their life. You're it, you're protecting your family. You're uh, you're protecting your loved ones and your you know home base or whatever you want to call it. And in that situation, I mean, I think you should be prepared to use whatever means necessary to end that threat. Well, it seems like it's open season on cops. I mean, we're seeing it all over the place. Uh, there were two who were killed in New York. Um, you talk about illegal guns. They they went to a domestic call which my stepfather used to tell me and most cops would tell you those are the worst. Yeah. And it was it was portrayed in the news it was like a, a normal routine domestic call. Right. No such thing right. in terms of cops. They go into the situation, there's a woman there says her son's doing something wrong and they go back to talk to him another son comes out of the room firing an illegal gun. It was completely illegal 
and he killed two two New York City police officers. Uh, we we've heard stories from Milwaukee, Houston. I mean, it, it's a it's a big city issue, and, and it's going on right now. And, and that's not bad enough. This is in the headlines this morning, Kurt. Uh, an apparent threat against NYPD funerals with services this week. A man identified by news outlets as Terrell Harper allegedly posted online videos over the weekend threatening to do harm to those gathering at the next NYPD funeral. A couple police union leaders condemned the video, and the uh, NYPD says it's aware of the social media post. So if you go to a funeral for one of these heroes, you're at risk as well. Yeah, I mean, the the entire narrative that we've been pushing uh as a country with our mainstream institutions is anti-cop. And the thing is, you know, MSNBC might not be saying, oh, go kill cops. They're terrible. You know, all cops are bastards, as the saying goes. But that's what it leads to because you have all of these situations where the cops shoot somebody justifiably or where, you know, they go to a a domestic and, and they end up in a confrontation. And it's always blamed on the police. It's never blamed on the actual perpetrator of the crime, which is a real problem. And that will lead to, over time, that will lead to uh, an acceleration of these violent narratives. And you're absolutely right about the uh, the domestics. I don't have cops in my family, but my stepdad is a uh, parole officer in Philadelphia. And he's told me the same thing. He's And he's worked, thankfully, he's transferred to a slightly less dangerous area now, but he was uh, in Kensington for a while. I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with Philadelphia, but Kensington is, uh, it's basically like Iraq. I mean, it's just God awful down there. And, uh, you know, the, those domestics, I mean, you get a call and you never know what you're walking into. You really and, don't. And, and it's uh, very scary. You know, Corey Bush is a congressman from St. Louis, congresswoman from St. Louis. Congressperson, uh, I believe, is, is the that correct. Is that correct? <laughs> I, I hate to get that wrong. I really do. It keeps me up at night. Um, you know, and she's definitely on the left, and she's bashed cops left and right. Um, last weekend, her vehicle was struck by gunfire in St. Louis. Um, and she says, any act of gun violence shakes your soul. Thankfully, no one was harmed. Well, you know, Congresswoman, Congressperson Bush, why don't why aren't you doing anything about it? Why aren't you doing anything to up vigorous prosecution? Why are we basically a turnstile of oh, you you shot off a gun, you killed somebody? Well, you know, slap on the wrist, let's put you back out on the street. Yeah. Why are we doing that? Well, it's all part of the narrative. I mean, as I've mentioned before, I think I think the racial politics has a lot to do with it because they're seeing the disproportionate racial makeup of these criminals and they're they don't want to appear racist or whatever but i mean it's unfortunate with Corey bush because obviously you don't want to see that happen to anybody it's a terrible uh terrible circumstance but in her case specifically like you would think a normal person that happens to you and that would kind of be a wake-up call and you might think okay well maybe we're not doing this right maybe you know now this has affected my life it's one thing to just kind of speak generally about Mm -hmm. things that are happening, but then it reaches out and touches you and you might change your tune, but uh, she's not going to change her tune. She, in fact, she might even double down further after this. And it's just, uh, these people are so blinded by, by the ideology that even when it affects them personally, even when their car gets shot up, they're still not going to do anything different. Well, you know, my, my saying on this all along has been God help us if the folks who protect and serve our police officers, sheriff's deputies, state troopers, or whatever, 
God forbid they ever look at us and say, you know what, it's not really worth it. It's not worth you know putting my life on the line for you. They're already doing that. I mean, uh, I know. in a lot of places, they're already, you know, again, going back to the, the letter that I read on the podcast several months ago, and we've had many stories about cops retiring um, before they're getting their pension, you know, yeah. two years before their pension, four years before their pension. All the good cops are leaving. And um, one of those cops killed in New York was only 22. Yeah. Trainee. Yep. Man, I just, you know. All right. Well, our thoughts and our prayers are with that thin blue line as they continue to protect and serve to keep those of us who are law-abiding citizens safe. Absolutely. And those the scenes from New York over the weekend were just incredible. Gut-wrenching. I, mean, I don't know if you saw those videos, but... I was kind of confused actually about this. Maybe you'll have an answer. Were those all NYPD or were they from other places as well? Because it know. seemed like a lot of cops. It was well, like thousands and thousands of New cops. York is at the crux. They call it the tri-state area, as you know. You've got uh, northern New Jersey. You've got Connecticut. They're right. all really, really close. So right. would not shock me if there were agencies from all over the place. Yeah. But if you haven't seen, if you're listening and you haven't seen the, that video, uh, it's very powerful. You know, all of the the officers standing in uniform and and the motorcade of the motorcycles and everything coming down the street and it's a lot of people uh, it's very powerful stuff go watch it no question you ready to move on to the president's stove let's let's do it you know usually a stove has four five sometimes maybe six burners right we're gonna need more than that we're gonna need a lot more <laughs> you're gonna need the institutional burner because the presidency is a big job republican or democrat it does not matter and I'm just going to tell you, we've got three more years of Joe Biden to go. He is not up to this job. He's not. I mean, you, you can see him, and it's just like he's flailing around. Now, it's bad enough when you inherit the stove of the presidency, but when you make it worse, right? Yeah. When you take things that were working and make it worse, and then you've got to deal with the crap that's going to go wrong anyway, I mean, you've made the job a hundred times harder, and again— it, uh, here's a great example. I'm going to get to the Supreme Court here in a little bit, but did you see the um, event where Stephen Breyer came into the Roosevelt Room, right? And, and Biden is like struggling mightily to read off a teleprompter. And he's 78, by the way. Right. And Breyer, I think, is 82, 83, maybe. And he sounds much more composed. Oh, my God. And much he more... sounded completely in control. <laughs> Talking off the cuff. Yeah. Quoting, you know, the um, uh, the Lincoln speech yeah. from Gettysburg. You know, oh, my. Don't let Biden start quoting speeches because you'll get into the whole, the deal with the, you know, you know, the thing. Right, right. The right. thing. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a tough job. And he's already looking worse, like on a daily basis. Yeah. Where are we going to be in two years? Well, I think one of two things is probably going to happen. Either they're going to pull the 25th Amendment and remove him from office before the end of his term and put in Kamala or somebody else. Or they'll keep him in because I, I really don't think it's that far of a stretch to say that he's not really running anything. I mean, he, his no, but mental... he's the face of our country. I know, but... What I'm saying is that the other option is they'll just stop having him do speeches. You know, they'll just stop having him do press conferences. Well, he won the election from his basement. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe he'll just go back to his basement and, um, you know, not come out in public. And then whoever's really running the show will 
continue running the show and everything will keep going well we can start with whatever burner we want to start with and since we're talking about the supreme court let's just move to that because briar is out and and i'm sure he got a little nudge it's like you know we see what's coming with the midterm and let's just go ahead and get you to do this now so and that's fine i mean presidents have that role of naming supreme court justices every part of our government has been laid out by geniuses on how it's all supposed to work and naming a Supreme Court justice that is within his purview where I think he goes off the rails like he usually does you know he narrowed his own box he said I'm going to appoint a black female justice yeah I just would like to say that it's very transphobic of the president to not commit to naming a trans nominee to the Supreme Court and I'm very offended well, I think maybe that's where they're going to pack the court, if I could say that. Um, oh, you know, as you get more, <laughs> that did oh, no. not mean what I it oh. sounded like. That was bad. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you get more and more justices, though, you you can check more of, of the boxes. So, th- there's a new poll out. Seventy-six percent of Americans want him to consider all candidates for the open Supreme Court uh, seat. That includes more than fifty percent of Democrats want him to consider all candidates. Now, he could have done this, right? You know, Trump put out a list. I think he had a list of like 14 or 15 people, and the three that he picked came from that list. Right. You talk about transparent. I mean, that was completely transparent. Right. Okay, he could do whatever he wants to do, but he put himself in this box. So if you are that justice, how does that make you feel? Uh, well, it's like everything else. I mean, it's the soft bigotry of low expectations uh, in the Supreme Court. And I think it's funny the way that he made the announcement. We'll drop the clip here. But he was like, we're going to have the most rigorous process where we're going to look at all the candidates and like we're going to have a we're going to cast a wide net. And the only thing that I can say is that our candidate will be someone from 6% of the population. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But let me say a few words about the critically important work of selecting his successor. Choosing someone to sit in the Supreme Court, I believe, is one of the most serious constitutional responsibility a president has. Our process is going to be rigorous. I will select a nominee worthy of Justice Breyer's legacy of excellence and decency. While I've been studying candidates' backgrounds and writings, I've made no decision except one person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. Um, And this all gets back to a bargain that Joe Biden made that gave him the White House. Well, gave him the Democratic nomination, and that gave him the White House. And that was with Jim Clyburn down in South Carolina mm-hmm. because he went to Clyburn and it was the time of the uh, South Carolina primary when no one was making any traction on the Democrat side. And Biden made this bargain to have a black female vice president and the first Supreme Court justice he got to name would be a black female. Mm-hmm. So that's the bargain that he made with Clyburn. Now, I've got a way that he can do that and even check more boxes. It won't get to the trans box, but give us time and we'll check the trans box. Transphobic. That sounds you. wrong, too. I mean, everything I'm saying sounds <laughs> wrong. But let's say you know, he gets rid of one little thorn in his side and he um, appoints Kamala Harris to the Supreme Court. Which, let's just be clear, that is possible. 
came up in the briefing room. That is room. very possible. Yeah, like, it could. I, I made a joke about that immediately, like when he was talking about nominating a black woman. I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, it's going to be Kamala Harris. But the more I think about it, it's like, that's possible because they're not, for, for multiple reasons. One, she's a black woman, sort of. Half. That's some Asian in there too, yeah. so you can check another <laughs> box. She's like half black, I guess. But, uh, you know, and the, and the pool of like, people that he's looking at is going to be very limited because of of you know really limiting himself based on the the race and and let sex me just say though nominee. if and i've looked at that list if he takes someone from that list who is a judge right now those people have been confirmed by big majorities in the senate so they're going to be someone who's qualified to be on the united states supreme court i might not agree with them uh on which way they would lean but it's 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 really not a big deal i mean Breyer's a liberal so you're going to have one more liberal that replaces a liberal who cares he won the election so he gets to make that choice but all i'm saying is make that choice but don't come out and say you're going to make that choice because that belittles the person that you're nominating well, regardless of whether he says it publicly or not, I mean, I, you would think that the nominee would know, right? I mean, at some point, somebody's going to say, yeah. oh, we're so excited that you're the first black woman on the Supreme Court. And it's like, as soon as that is said, you can just discount the uh, legitimacy of the appointment. Because, I mean, certainly how I would feel, right? It's not about merit anymore. The only reason I'm getting nominated is because of the the color of my skin and, yeah. and my genitals. And it's like, how how would that not make you feel like shit? You know, how would that not make yeah. you feel like you're not you don't actually deserve the job? You're just being put here for identity politics. Yeah. You know, well, when we get to enough justices that left-handed middle-aged fat guys are what they're going for, you're not talking about yourself. Right? I'm going to put myself in the running <laughs> for Supreme. So anyway, back Dale's to my not thing. Fat. So, Let's clear so that up. Kamala, not fat. Kamala goes to the Supreme Court, and Mayor Pete becomes vice president. I mean, it's he hasn't possible. really done anything to deserve it. It's but very it, possible. It checks the gay box. Well, it it checks the box, and you know you can kind of see the writing on the wall. In a lot of ways, there's been plenty of stories about Kamala and Joe not getting along. That's the first one, right? right? Exactly. So you get and, rid of her. And they didn't get along during the primary. Of course not. She called him a racist, segregationist, and all this kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. And then on the other side of it, you can kind of see this movement to prop up Mayor Pete and uh, you know make him the next big thing in the Democrat Party. They're probably looking forward to the future of whoever is going to replace Joe Biden, whether it be via the 25th Amendment during this term or you know in 2024 when the next election is. And, and Biden's so, running again. He said that. He's running and well, Kamala's going to be his VP. We'll see. But, you know, so that might be the move. I mean, the, well, that might be the move. And it, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I'll take you to the other side, to the Republicans. Remember when uh, George W. Bush was looking for a running mate and he put Dick Cheney in charge of finding the running mate? Well, guess what? The running mate became Dick Cheney. <laughs> right. So now Kamala Harris is in charge of finding this Supreme Court justice. I mean, it would it's not beyond the realm of possibility for her to say, hey, it, it's me. <laughs> Look, I found this nominee. She's really qualified. Her name is Kamala Harris. <laughs> All right. So that's one burner. And that's a big burner going on right now because he wants to get that done. He's going to name the uh, nominee by the end of February, so he says. 
but but the the burners are still burning. Violence in the cities. It, it's it's still peaking. I mean, it's still happening. I mean, in Kansas City, which is kind of a microcosm of the whole thing, every day there's another murder in Kansas City. We hit a record last year. Mm-hmm. We're on pace to blow that away through one month of uh, 2022. Uh, and again, they have no answer for it. The answer is what? More gun laws aimed and at lawful gun owners. More than that, our mayor, Quentin Lucas, went to the international or the National Conference of Mayors or whatever, uh, a few weeks ago, and he was on a committee for ending violent crime. Can yeah. you believe that? How's that working out? It's like, okay, well, what do you, why are you on this committee? Like, what qualification do you have? Have you lowered the violent crime rate in your city? No, it's it's uh, out of control. Yeah. So, I mean, it's on his desk a lot. Maybe that makes him an expert in it. I don't know. And the same thing is true for uh, Philadelphia, just going back to that, because that's where I'm from. Uh, they are on pace to beat, they set a record last year, and as of one month in, they're already on pace to beat the record from last year. Supply chain issues continue to be a problem. You mentioned the the truckers deal in Canada. And I know uh, Gary and Eric, my friends who do Red Eye Radio on Westwood One, they are terrific, by the way. If you're up late at night, um, find them wherever you can because they, they are just like us. So if you like us, you'll like Gary and Eric. But they were talking, and it's Red Eye Radio is kind of a show aimed at truck drivers, and they right. were talking about that. That if you if if you've got a supply chain issue, the worst thing that you can do is try and eliminate truck drivers. It makes yeah. no sense. Well, it's kind of one of those things that depends on how you look at it because people need to eat, right? So that's the that's the foundation. Now. The government has been, specifically in this case, the Canadian government has been pushing everyone to have mandatory vaccines. And people like truckers, like more blue collar people, are less likely to want to do it and certainly more likely to oppose the mandates. So if they really lean into the supply chain issue and really say, no, we're not doing this, no, we're not delivering the food until you change this rule. That really forces the government's hand because, you know, that we're, I I really think that we're getting to that point. Like, it's not enough to just, uh, you know, say that, oh, this is bad. We don't want this. You know, like you have to really institute like change. You have to actually do something that, that has a real effect. And I think with the truckers, I mean, 50,000 truckers is a lot of damn truckers. I don't know how many there are in Canada total, but you have to imagine that that's a pretty large portion of probably the total um, truckers in Canada. So if all of those truckers say, we're not delivering the food, we're not delivering the toilet paper until you change this rule, people are going to be upset, but the rule's going to change because they won't have any choice. Yet there's another use for the Kansas City Star. I mean, if you don't have toilet paper, you got to wipe your ass. <laughs> I mean, there you go. I mean, yeah, it's I'm sure of... Canada has some version of the Kansas City Star, too, that they can use to and wipe their butt. And poor Star. I mean, I look at them, even their Sunday paper, it's like 15 pages. I mean, it's like a pamphlet. They should change the name from the Kansas City Star to the Kansas City Pamphlet. Yeah. And they're trying really hard to be relevant. You can see them on on clickbait on Facebook all over the place, trying to say the most outrageous thing they can to try and In get the headline to get clicks. Yeah, right. Because they're trying really hard to be relevant, and I feel sorry for those guys. Okay, uh, not really. Inflation is at a forty year high. I mean, that continues to be a major issue. Um, it's it's something that you know maybe the president can't fix it. Maybe that's something he gets a more blame for than he should have, but he can sure make it a hell of a lot worse. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's, uh, I mean, we're just talking about the wrong things. He's talking about the wrong things. And certainly I think this may be part of it, may be the chickens coming home to roost yeah. with some of the uh, entitlements that were granted through COVID the, uh, the relief payments and the, the debt forgiveness and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that doesn't come free. It's going to, it's going to come at the cost of inflation and it's not going to happen immediately. You know, it's probably going to happen a year or two down the road or longer. So might even get higher. I mean, who knows, but yeah, I think you're right up. Part of it is out of the control of the president, but the policy and the narrative and what you're actually spending money on and how much money you're spending at the federal level is going to affect mm. inflation. Well, I don't have a degree uh, in the economy. I'm not an economist. Yeah, me but, neither. But I can tell you that if you pump trillions of monopoly dollars into the economy, you are not fighting inflation. You're fueling inflation. Totally. And yet that's what he wants to do. His answer to everything is build back better, yep. which is trillions of more dollars injected into the economy. Yeah. And it, it goes back to the this concept of the truth to kind of broaden the conversation a little bit here. The truth is that when you spend more money, inflation goes up. And there's no such thing as free money. That's the truth. You don't need an... an economics degree to know that it's like economics 101 you know and uh i forget who said this someone from the austrian school but the the laws of economics are like the laws of physics they're just set in stone you can't change it it is what it is yeah and you know then we have jen saki and biden coming out with this build back better plan saying that it will cost zero dollars literally saying it will cost zero dollars that's a lie and so you have to, it's not an issue of, oh, well, this is their opinion. This is our opinion. It is an issue of the truth is that if you, there's no such thing as free money and spending trillions of dollars will lead to inflation and they are lying about it. That's the truth. And well, we need to focus on that. Well, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell came out and said that it looks like we're going to have five rises in the interest rate, which is basically... I mean, the Fed rate's at zero, so they're going to raise it five times over 2022. And what that's, that's going to make it more expensive to borrow, car loans. I mean, cars already, with all of the mandates that they have and the regulations they have, and the fact that we can't get chips, I mean, car prices are through the roof. Yep. You add to that, there won't be 0% financing anymore moving forward because they're going to raise that. Credit card rates are going to go up. So if you're somebody who's living on the edge – um, number one, your your government thing is going to get cut off because it has to at some point. And then your ability to borrow is is going to be more expensive moving forward. Yep. That's what the that's the lever that the Fed has to fight inflation is to make free money a little less free. Right. And then on top of that, the other side of that coin is that most people are not making more money. Like the the It's rate. not true. That's what I heard Joey B say. Everybody's getting a raise. Well, it's I not outpacing <laughs> inflation, which is the problem. But right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's it's uh, that's where the the issue of inflation, where the rubber hits the road, is mm. that if people are making the same amount of money, but everything costs more, then obviously their their dollar has less spending power. So. All right. More burners on the stove here. There's our border and the Ukrainian border. Very different borders. Yeah. Because our border is like, come on in. Right? Right. And the Ukrainian border says, well, those Russian troops can't go into Ukraine. That's a red line. Right. Doesn't that tell you everything right there? It Doesn't should. Doesn't that just tell you where our government's priorities are? <laughs> yeah. It should. Think about I mean, that. The, the Ukraine thing is complicated, right? It's There's a lot of nuance there. And I, 
I tend to be more on the side of not involving ourselves because I, I don't care about Ukraine and I'm an isolationist. But I think there is an argument to be made that, you know, global politics and NATO and blah, blah, blah. There's some nuance there, at least. But it's certainly true that what you just said, if we can't protect our own border, if we can't prioritize actually like militarizing our border mm-hmm. and building a wall and, and all of these other things and punishing people who come here illegally. We're sending military hardware to the Ukraine. Why can't we send it to Texas? Yeah, exactly. 100%. 100%. And it just, uh, it, it's a total... Um, you know, just a total lack of proper priorities. You know, we have our priorities in, in the wrong order. And uh, so I certainly oppose any action in Ukraine until we get our own border in, in check, well, which is not going to happen. The nut job in North Korea is still lobbing missiles into the China Sea. Did that again today. I mean, he's testing our resolve there. China is what China is. And we used to talk about the axis of evil when George W. Bush was president. How about this for a new axis of evil? Russia, China, and Iran. They're doing military war games. Yeah. Those three countries. Yeah. You really want that? Yeah. Well, that's another angle on the the Ukraine situation too is you know our, our relationship with with Russia. And you know, people gave Donald Trump crap, you know, for allegedly colluding with Russia, which never happened. It was a total lie, but you know, I think that we should be engaged diplomatically with Russia because Right now, China and Russia are trying to build a, a serious alliance, and, and we should do everything that we can to not allow that to happen, you know, including trying to be, you know, uh, trying to talk with Russia and, and, you know, not necessarily be friendly with them, but see where we have common ground and try and work things out. Because the last thing that we want is is China and Russia and North Korea and, you know, Iran all working together. And, and that's kind of the direction that, that things are headed. And then with China, you know, we just need to stop giving them all of our money. We need to, we need to be more uh, isolationist stuff here. with trade for sure. I think uh, Columbus, Ohio, just uh, announced they were building a, a big chip factory to to build like chips. computer chips, exactly, or potato chips. No, 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 uh, <laughs> computer chips. Okay, we we can make our own potato chips too. We've yeah, got that's a lot Idaho. easier. Idaho produces a lot of potatoes. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. Um, so I mean. There's a, there's a lot of things on this stove. Now, that's my stove. You may have some other burners out there I'm not even thinking about. And all of this overseen, now I get that he's not running anything, but he is the face of it. So when he goes out to show, you know, American power and, you know, this is our president, right? And he can't put a sentence together. They, they can type it up for him. They can put it in really big font on a teleprompter and he can't read it. And he, they can even type end of message, and he'll just read end, end of uh, message. Uh, message. <laughs> scary times. Yeah, it's scary. Am I missing anything? Is there a burner that I've missed in all this? Oh, there's probably a bunch, I'm sure. Um, but, I mean, I think those are those are the main ones. I mean, other than that, I would just say the, the cultural issues, you know, domestically are huge. Um, the extension of the, the cop narratives and and uh, racial politics and all this other crazy stuff, you know, COVID, um, the schools obviously is a, is a huge one, but a lot of that is more local and stuff. And it's just, I I am just a firm believer that nothing is going to be fixed politically until we fix our culture. And I, I cannot stress that enough. You know, that's why having these conversations is so important. That's why being honest with your friends and family is really important. Don't be aggressive which, you know, I've been guilty of before, but 
don't don't be mean don't be aggressive but be honest you know and and really tell people the truth and i think we need more courage in in our movement and on our side in order to really affect change because that's the only way it's going to happen it's not going to happen through washington it's, it's not going to happen from joey b or donald trump or anyone else you know it's got to happen from from the ground up well in politics they say that when the narrative is working against you and I'd, I'd say the Biden narrative is working against him big time. You, you change the narrative. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but but Pete Buttigieg is out and, and he's deciding that um, we are going to get to zero traffic deaths in this country. Yep. It's not even an issue. You know, I, I put it up on our Facebook page. You can see the graph and how highway deaths have come down for a myriad of reasons. But, you know, he wants to go back to a 55-mile-an-hour national speed limit to get to zero. And if you look at what highway deaths were when we were at 55, they've come way down. Yeah. So it's not an issue, yet they're making it a big issue because it, it takes the, the onus off of the, um, the supply chain issue, which is his purview. That's his responsibility. So he takes that away, and we replace it with this distraction over here. Yeah, and— it's I've heard the argument made that, well, yeah, no traffic deaths is never going to happen, but at least it's a, a, a noble goal. At least it's a noble goal to get to zero traffic deaths. And I'm not really sure that I agree with that because it's like COVID. It's like anything else. You have to accept that there is inherent risk in life. And as soon as you don't accept that, you're going to accept some pretty uh, troubling premises. You know, everyone accepts that when you get in your car, there is a risk. When you drive home, there is a risk that you will get in an accident or get hurt or die. Sure. And that is just part of life. And if you expect that there won't be any risk, or if you expect that the goal is to not have any risk, then you are willing to accept all kinds of premises that are should not be acceptable. And COVID is the perfect example of that. You have to accept that when you leave your house and you go to a public place, there is a risk that you will get sick. Sure. You're around germs all the time. People are sick. People might not know they're sick. People are sneezing, coughing, you're sharing air. That's just a risk that you have in life. It's always been the case before COVID and after COVID. And so this whole idea that, oh, if you just wear a mask, if you just get the third shot, if you just get the fourth shot, mm -hmm. you know, that you're going to eliminate risk from your life. First of all, it's not true. But second of all, it creates this premise that uh, allows the people and encourages the people to accept whatever form of tyranny is bestowed upon them it, just to, you know, save that chance of risk just yeah. so that I can be safe, you know, and it goes back to the, I think it was Ben Franklin, you know, the, the famous quote from Ben Franklin that those who prioritize safety over freedom deserve neither safety or freedom, true. some version of that. No, that is true. And, you know, you could say the same thing about, about climate change too. I mean, you mentioned... I was going to get to that. You read my mind. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do the intro to your segment then. So you, you were talking about traffic deaths, right? That mm -hmm. traffic deaths had, have gone down precipitously. Right. The same thing is true for climate change. You hear all these people, all these fear mongers on TV and in the media and in politics saying, everyone's going to die, the earth, you know, we only have nine years left. We have to dramatically change the way that we live so that we can save the earth because people are going to die. People are going to be underwater. They're going to, you know, climate related deaths are going to skyrocket. Well, go look up right now. If you're listening to this, go look up climate related deaths over time and you will find a graph that starts very high and has 
dramatically declined to the point that now in 2022, worldwide, the number of climate-related deaths is very close to zero. Nah, very it's close not zero. zero. It's not zero. It's three. Okay. <laughs> and and I hate to really... Do you like that segue? That was a good segue. I, I really hate know. to be a doomsayer on all this, but Kurt, the the, the you know the, the dirty little truth here is, is that everybody's going to die. Yes. At some point. Um, three people reportedly dead after the massive storm that dumped more than 30 inches of snow on parts of the Northeast. The three deaths were in New York, where one man fell into a swimming pool. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's not funny. I don't know why that struck me as funny. Uh, that's I a hell of a way to go, man. Yeah, yeah. Two others died while shoveling snow. They probably had heart attacks. Okay, so three people have died. So... Um, I think that gets us back to Build Back Better. If we only would pass Build Back Better and all the billions and trillions that will be spent on climate change, these three people would still be alive, Kurt. Yeah. All you have to do is sacrifice your freedom and your autonomy and your ability to do anything worthwhile, joyful, and meaningful in your life, and you can be safe from traffic and weather. Yeah. See what COVID. what our our left leaning friends who hate listen to this podcast are going to focus on is the fact that I laughed about one guy falling in a swimming pool. And you know, dying. I'd like to know like how like what happens specifically. Like, is there ice on the top and then the ice cracks and he falls in and then he can't get out from under the ice and he drowns or what happened? I don't know. That's that's a great question. But again, I get back to we're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to leave you with that. How about we leave you with this? Um, Former Vice President Pence could have overturned the election if he wanted to. That's according to a statement just released from former President Trump. The only hope, let me say, I can't say this enough. The only hope that the Democrats have moving forward with the disaster that they have on every front is that Donald Trump gets into this election. The only reason he would get into this election is because of his ego. He could be a kingmaker, Kurt. He could pick the next president. He could be in that person's ear. But him being in the narrative, it's going to bring this up over and over and over again because he can't help himself. The quote in this thing that he just released, this came from President Trump. This is not from the left media, is that, quote, fraud and many other irregularities in the 2020 presidential election cost him the race. And that there may be some truth in that, but saying that is not helpful. But is it true? Well, okay, you you you're you're a newly married guy, so let me give you some advice I've been given by many marriage counselors over the years. Would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? A you marriage, can't have a, mar- a marriage <laughs> is not a, a proper. Uh, analogy to the country and okay. running the country. Would you rather be right or have Democrats run forever? Run what's going on? I mean, I'd rather You could win. be right in I'd, your heart. I'd rather win, for sure. Yeah, you'd rather win. Yeah. So I, I hate to say this because I know that Donald Trump has legions of fans out there, and you're one of them, but he is the worst thing for our country moving forward. It just... It, him running in 2024 would all but guarantee... Whoever the Democrats nominate would win. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. And if sure he did that. win, we'd go through another four years of hell like we've gone through here. Like I said, I mean, I, I you know, probably would prefer DeSantis at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I like Trump. I, I, 
I'm not like, I'm no super fan or anything like that, but I like the guy. I think he was a good president and I certainly miss his Twitter feed, you know, which was hilarious and all of those things. Um, I just don't know what you're saying seems kind of uh, dramatic to me I, because I think a lot of people are realizing that. Do you not agree with me that the Democrats are clinging to hope that he will run? Maybe, but uh, that doesn't really concern me. I mean, what concerns me is the the American people. Like, do do the, do the American people want Trump? Excuse me, want Trump or not want Trump? And I think his base hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, and certainly, I think a lot of people are looking at what's happening now with Joe Biden and looking at what happened under President Trump. And saying that, you know, hey, maybe that wasn't so bad. Maybe this was actually a good presidency. And, um, you know, this focus on his Twitter or whatever is just a total distraction. If he'd stop releasing stuff like this, it would go away. It's not going to happen. I mean, uh, I, I sort of half agree with you because I think that he certainly puts his foot in his mouth. But his unscripted nature is one of his biggest um one of his biggest strengths i think yeah well we're going to keep watching this we're going to keep having this discussion we're going to live through what we're living through with joe biden Uh, believe it or not i think the country has seen worse than what we're going through right now um so we will get through it i'm very optimistic about the future I'm just saying, you know, if, if there's another guy that you could run right now, the it's it's almost like a football game, and we've got a tremendous lead right now because the other team is screwing up left and right and left and right, and we're gonna. <laughs> so uh, while we have the lead, why don't we take advantage of it and do what we know we can do to win and fix the country, rather than go backward into a clown show. How do we how do we have the lead in what way? Oh, every poll. Are you kidding me? This this midterm, I, I'm just going to go down and say it right now, will be the biggest red wave in the history of the country. We'll make 1994 sure. seem like a blip on the radar. So we have the lead. All right, in that term, we have the lead. So let's 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 push our our advantage that we have and not look for a way to shoot ourselves in the foot. This is ours to lose at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah. I think you're right about so that. So that's where we have the lead, in, in my view. All right, so with all that, um, the stove is really, really hot in the White House. All the burners are on high, uh, and we're going to keep an eye on it. Uh, and that, this week, is Dale Carter's America. The views expressed on Dale Carter's America are Dale's and Kurt Wheeler's. They do not necessarily reflect the views of KFKF or Steel City Media. Comments can be sent to dalec at kfkf.com. Thanks for listening. Check back every week for new episodes.